Okay, for our sermon today, we have a message from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled Wrestler and Embracer, or should I be wrestler? Okay. Hey everyone. and Doyle are passing out the uh, outline for the sermon this afternoon. I think uh, there are enough copies. If not, we have a copy machine. The pictures from space show a planet, our planet Earth, looking very serene, tranquil, majestic, and beautiful. Of course, from space, no one can really see, you know, the turmoil, the violence, the pollution, the wickedness, and all of the other things that are plaguing mankind and the wickedness that is causing the pain that goes on daily. It's like uh, Mark earlier said, it's a messy world down here. Now, there was a prophet of the Lord who in his day saw the wickedness that was taking place. And it was a great problem to him. It was a bothersome problem to him. And even as we look around at our world today and see all of the uh, corruption and, and all of the bad things taking place, it can be a bother to us. Now, the prophet's name was Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And what he saw was not unlike what we see or, or know, know about today. And these things, of course, as I said earlier, they bothered him very deeply. He struggled in his faith when he saw these things uh, happening and the people of God violating God's law. And so he had some questions like, why? What is God doing? Where is God? And where is all this leading to? And he asked a lot of these questions that sometimes we ourselves wonder about as we see the things that are happening around us in this world. So he had these questions that commentators have listed as complaints or, or um, problems. And he brought them to God. He brought them to the Lord asking questions that we might be afraid to ask for fear of offending uh, of God. And we see in this book that the Lord allowed himself to be questioned, which to us is of comfort because knowing that we can go to God as we might go to some dear friend or maybe a parent, that we can take the problems that are on our mind and ask for an answer. And sometimes even in that, the answers may not be satisfying as they would be from God. But it takes a lot of faith, it takes a lot of confidence, and it takes a lot of diligence to apply oneself to prayer so that whatever problems or whatever complaints we might have can be answered in the right way. Now this name Habakkuk means wrestler, or as some might say, wrestler. 
Or it could also mean embracer. You know, an embracer, like, like a hugger. So, in the dictionary, a wrestler, of course, is, you know, maybe it can be defined as a, a grappler or a scrapper uh, or a combatant. I could ask uh, some of those who wrestled in here before what it's like to be in the ring and wrestling and trying to outdo your opponent, taking, you know, a lot of uh, uh, maneuvers and things to bring the opponent down and to pin it all down so that there is a, uh, a good outcome. So, in this sense, we can picture ourselves sometimes as a wrestler that we are trying uh, going up against an opponent perhaps a literal opponent or even you know in a spiritual figurative way it can be like wrestling against some trial or some uh, trouble problem in life Habakkuk's name also means embracer an embracer is defined as one who holds on to or clenches, or hugs, squeezes, or accept. It's one that embraces. So Habakkuk had some problems that he was wrestling with. And so he complained and he questioned, just as we might do sometimes when we wrestle with some problem or trial. <clears throat> but in the end, Habakkuk embraced the answer that God gave. He accepted the outcome of his, of his prayer, of his wrestling, of his grappling, and of his uh, of hugging on to what God showed him. And we see in this book of Habakkuk that God does have a plan. We also see that he, his hand of correction. We also see his mercy and his patience and his awareness of everything that we see, he sees. And to, and we learn that the Lord is in control. We also see that God does answer prayer. And he does not, and he did not upbraid Habakkuk for asking. But in a lot of cases, when we are aware of the wickedness and the unrighteousness that is going on, the waywardness of people in our world today, uh, we sometimes, well, you know, that's the way it is. We, and we might turn our, our, our eyes away, but sometimes we just can't help but be made to see what's going on. Maybe it suddenly comes on the television or comes on the news that we're listening to, and we're made to see these things. You know, breaking news happens everywhere. So, now in Habakkuk, there are three chapters, and there are 56 verses in the book of Habakkuk. I just thought I'd, you know, throw it out at but we won't read them all. But I plan to highlight a few of them to see what we can glean from these words that will help us in our life as we observe the things that are happening in our world today. And the first question that Habakkuk asked was, why does God permit the unrighteousness that he sees going on around him? In the first chapter, in Habakkuk 1, it says the burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. Now this word burden is from the Hebrew word masa, and it means to, to lift up, you know, like something heavy, like a burden. That's what you do with it. You lift it up. 
You have to you have to carry it until maybe the load gets lighter or you can set it down having carried it as far as you can. But it means that this burden means to lift up and, and, and to carry it. So like a burden, and we always think of a burden as, as a heavy load, like an oracle or a prophecy that the prophets were given, it was, you know, a heavy load. Just like all the other prophets, Habakkuk was given a vision, given a word from God that detail uh, whatever prophecies that God wanted his people to know and to heed. When you see the word vision in the Bible, we can see it as a glimpse of something future. It's kind of like a, a trailer of a movie that's, that's coming soon. It gets your attention. It may not have all the details about the outcome of it, but it's enough to spur your interest. And that's the way prophecy is sometimes. There's a, some of it here that we don't always understand or know uh, com the complete details of. As we find out in the book of Habakkuk, that all of it, that the vision he saw, that the words he wrote down, uh, is going to be made plain at an appointed time. And you see that in, in, in the book, at an appointed time. But in the meantime, we, we may become impatient. You know, wanting God to hurry things up because all these bad things that are happening and the problems that we see that we wrestle against from time to time, problems in our own life even, as well as the problems we see in our world around us. And in verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out unto you of violence, and you will not save. He brings those things that he sees up to the Lord, and he wonders why God is not answering. In verse 3, why do you show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me. He sees them, and there are they that raise strife, Raise up strife and contention. Kind of like what we see in our world today. Therefore the law, the law is slacked. That he's saying it's paralyzed, it's crippled. And judgment does never go forth. For the wicked do compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceeds and continues. So these are some of the things that Habakkuk saw that disturbed him that troubled him. He sees justice distorted. He sees violence. He sees God's law violated. He sees the wicked prospering. And so he asks, why does the Lord let this growing evil go unpunished? And why does God delay his judgment? And you could also insert your own complaint or thing that uh, troubles you or bothers you. Maybe it's the hypocrisy that we see or, or the lying and the, the corruption that, that goes on. Especially when these things are, that Habakkuk saw was harming the innocent. How sad it is today, disheartening, heartbreaking, to see innocent children 
suffer all sorts of horrible things at home and away from home, and that people, both young and old, are attacked, beaten, or killed because of the color of their skin, the color of their beliefs and religion, or the color of their politics. Yet, what can we do? So Habakkuk brings the complaints and problems that he saw in his day before the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and he prays about it. And he says down in verse 13, he says, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on iniquity. Wherefore, look you upon them that deal treacherously, and hold your tongue, when the wicked devours the man that is more righteous than, than he. So he's asking some direct questions to God. How could God permit such wickedness to exist among his people? So he appealed. He appealed to the Lord and God did answer. But when that answer came, God gave him a vision. And then he said to Habakkuk, write it down. Write it down so it can be shared, so it can be read today as, as we do today. And so in those words, we can glean an understanding of what our God is doing. And we can also know, and many of us do know, the stress of being, of being uh, under a burden and carrying that burden. And Habakkuk carried this and he waited and he expected God would answer. And that's the attitude that many of us need to take when we see these things going on in our life. But he also thought the answer might come in the form of a rebuke. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me, what the Lord will say to me, and what I shall answer. What am I going to say when I am reproved, if he's reproved? So Habakkuk was watching and waiting from a tower. He was in the best position to receive God's answer. And, you know, from watchtowers and, and watchmen, they're able to see what's, what's coming and what's going on and also to keep a guard on things. Remember, Christ said to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So the Lord answered me, he said in verse 2, and he said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. So write this vision large enough on a tablet so it can be read and they who read it can run like a herald and carry that message and spread that message. Spread that message around to those who can read it and who will read it. And that, you know, was written on clay tablets then. It was, you know, baked and preserved. And now we have it preserved in print, in black and white today, that we can read and that we can share. So we know that it's not easy to be patient, waiting on an answer, especially when you're hurting, especially when you're in pain. But we are to trust in the Lord that the answer will surely come. Verse 4, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just 
shall live by faith. And that's the key part of that scripture, that the just shall live by faith. And you have it over in Hebrews, what, you know, uh, uh, 11, what faith is, is all about. But those filled with wicked pride trust only in themselves, not looking to God, but the just shall live by faith, by his faith. So in the meantime, Habakkuk sees all this evil. He sees this injustice as commonplace and continues unabated. So as Christians, we also may feel impatient sometimes. We also may feel discouraged at the wickedness that seems to be continuing and worsening. And we know the word of God tells us that uh, evildoers shall uh, wax worse and worse. And some also may wonder, well, where are we in Bible prophecy? Because seeing these things, uh, you know, may make some wish that, that God would hurry things along. Especially when we see these evils and perils uh, increasing and getting close to us. But sometimes when we have questions or problems that we wrestle with and pray about, sometimes it's for quite a while. But how heavy are the burdens that we've had to bear in the past? How heavy are the burdens that we now have? And concerning these burdens, how did they come out? How well did we embrace the outcome? So Habakkuk was given, as we see in this book, something heavy to say to the people of his day about present conditions and the pending consequences. And he was sent to warn Judah of God's coming judgment and said to them that the Lord was going to use the Chaldeans to overcome them. He specifically named a certain nation, a people that was going to come against them and uh, ruin them, overcome them. Let's go back to chapter uh, 1, verses 5 through 12 for a little bit. You remember the complaints of Habakkuk saying, O Lord, how long shall I cry unto you of violence? And why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? Then God answers, verse 5. He says, Behold you among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They were a conquering nation. They conquered Assyria and uh, uh, Egypt. But they, in verse 7, these words have, you know, quite an impact when you think about them. He says of these Chaldeans, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. So they, they do as they will. Their reputation precedes them. Precedes them. And they have the force uh, to back it up. 
Verse 8. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves. If we could put this into a description of modern things today, the modern weapons and armor and forces today, it, it could make an impact. Because, and their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from afar. They shall fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. So this description of, of the old would be different from what we would see in our world today about a pending nation that is coming to uh, attack. And we can see today how, you know, force can move from, from uh, another place around the world and swoop down quickly upon their prey, upon some nation that they are wanting to overcome. Verse 9, they shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. So these, these hordes, they advance unopposed, and they carry away captives uh, before them. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be scorned unto them. And they shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. In those days, they had the forts, they had the walls, but they were easily overcome when they built ramparts up. Verse 11, Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing that his power unto his God. Says Commentators say that this Hebrew text is un uncertain, but uh, some interpret this in other Bibles, that these forces will have no regard for humanity. They're, they're going to loot and they're going to claim riches and power for their gods. They're going to take prisoners. They're going to put the nations they conquer as tribute. That was from the Life Application Bible that I had read. And as verse 7 said of these Chaldeans, remember, they are terrible. They are dreadful. So God's answer must be shocking a little bit, at least, to Habakkuk. And then he questions, verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? Aren't you eternal? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them for judgment. And Almighty God, you have established them for correction. So he saw the hand of God in allowing this to happen to that nation, to their nation. And Habakkuk knows that this, this coming invasion is not going to utterly destroy the nation. And when you read the prophecies, the other prophecies of God, you know that even though dire things are predicted to happen, you know that there is a reason and that God is uh, uh, going to let a, uh, a remnant survive. But the remnant will survive and they will stand corrected as, as will the world. In Deuteronomy 28-25, we won't turn there, I'll just mention this, but it says there that the Lord will cause you to be smitten by your enemies. So defeat in war is one of the disciplines that, that God uses 
to correct the waywardness of his people. And we know that such news, if we were to hear it today, that such news is not good news because it can be uh, depressing. It can be discouraging. It can be unacceptable in this day and time. But there will be, as we know the Bible says, that there will be deniers, that there will be mockers and saying, well, where is the promise of his, of his coming? So there will be those who will resist call, ignore his prophecies, and really not pay attention to the conditions of the world going on, uh, that's going on around them. In Amos chapter 7, uh, beginning verse 8, we see where the Lord sh uh, showed Amos a plumb line, and he said, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people. I will not again pass by them anymore. So back in the day when uh, this prophet Amos, when he prophesied to the people, he was telling them in verse 9 that the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, shall become desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then, verse 10, then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus says Amos, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O you seer, go. Flee you away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not again any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, and it is the king's court. Bad news is not good for the country. It demoralizes the people. So go somewhere else. They don't want to hear those uh, burdensome words that Amos brought. It was back, I think, in 1972 that uh, uh, my wife and I, Carolyn and I, attended uh, services with uh, Worldwide Church of God, and, and it was in Ada. And the minister there, and one of the first things we uh, heard about prophecy specifically was from this book of Amos. And so when I read uh, this part about Amos, at that time, I thought, well, it must apply to somebody or to some condition or situation or, or prophecy that would affect the then and now. But that's been years, years ago. So we know that it can be demoralizing to know what God is going to do. And sometimes, well, where am I going to be in the midst of all this? Now, Jesus, we know, warned of false prophets. And only in his word is there a sure prophecy, a foretelling of things that are to come. So from Genesis to Revelation, we see prophecies. We see words of encouragement, direction, and of things to be. And so he tells us that we are to be watching and praying. Also, being reminded 
today that the just shall live by faith. You know, the topic of faith that we have been going over from the book of James. So as Habakkuk wrote these things, encouragement, direction, a look ahead, and the vision he was given was for the people who would read his words could make some kind of change in their life. And so, where are we in Bible prophecy? Also, where are the prophets of God? They're, you know, they're in this book, this Bible that we have, this, you know, this book we bring. Because the prophet Amos said, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So God sends prophets to warn his people to turn from their transgressions and spare them of further woes. He hears the prayers of his people just like he heard the prayers of those uh, in bondage in Egypt. In Exodus 2 verse 23 just referencing that it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. So the Lord heard their cry and he said I have heard their cry and I know their sorrows there in verse uh, uh, 7 of Exodus 3 and he sent Moses to free them from that bondage that they were under you know the Egyptians those taskmasters and he, he also would give them the law of God to free them from their sins and the consequences of sin and he made it known to the people then, just as he has made it known to us today. So even as uh, he sent messengers, even as God sent messengers, you know, like uh, Amos or Hosea. And, you know, there were others. Their messages were not all that popular. And they were hated. And Jesus forewarned his disciples when he was here saying if the world hate you you know that it hated me before it hated you but if you were of the world the world would love his own but because you are not of the world but I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hates you it's over in John chapter 15 verses 18 and 19 so he said to his disciples and to us today watch and pray that you enter not into temptation spirit is willing but the flesh is weak because when you enter into into temptation you may succumb to whatever ill it brings and if unless you repent it could uh, be a downfall won't turn there but in Ephesians 6 verses 11 through 13 you know, it says that we should put on the whole armor of God because we wrestle against spirits in high places. Now, in chapter 2, again, verses 1 through 4, Habakkuk wrote, he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and, I, and will watch to see what 
he will say to me, what the Lord will say to me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. So Habakkuk, he's watching and he's waiting for God's answer, just as we should do sometime, looking off into the distance, somewhere down the road, that an answer will come. And the Lord answered me, and he said, write the vision down and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it, that, uh, that they may be a herald in some way taking that message along. So the answer that Habakkuk received is not just for him, but for everyone, for us today, to read and understand. Verse 3, For the vision given to Habakkuk is yet for an appointed time, though it tarry, wait for it, because... It will surely come, what the scripture tells us. Behold his soul, verse 4, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by uh, his faith. That's, you know, that's the theme uh, of this, this book of Habakkuk, to live by faith. Especially when there, you know, there's doubt and confusion, to look to God, to put trust in him. We know in Romans, that's what the Apostle Paul says, that the just shall live by faith. So we're to live in the light of these words, to trust in the Lord and, and be faithful to him no matter what or, you know, or come what may. In verses 5 through 20 there, we read of the judgment that is to come upon the unrighteous. There are five woes that we see that the uh, commentators bring out five woes waiting for the unrighteousness. Verses 6 through 19. Uh, paraphrasing, verse 6. Woe to him who piles up stolen good and make, makes himself wealthy by extortion. Verse 9. Woe to him that covets. Verse 12. Woe to him that builds a town with bloodshed. Verse 15, woe to him that makes his neighbor drunk. Verse 19, woe to him that says to the wood, come to life, or to the dumb stone, arise. That's, you know, they're believing in their idols, that their idols will save them, whatever it might be. And uh, believing in those things and not in the power of the Lord. These things have no future. The things that they're doing, the things that they are laboring at, have no future. So Habakkuk wrote these woes in, in a poetical fashion, five stanzas of, of three verses each of the coming judgment of Babylon. But the true riches and gains that we are aware of are to be found in the kingdom of God that is to come. And back over in verse 14, uh, it says that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we are to look forward to this in faith, beyond what we see that pictures the earth in happiness and righteousness in a time yet to come. And so seeing all the things that he saw that bothered him, he made a prayer for God's mercy, which is actually a song of praise or a tapella in Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 3, now, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, 
the prophet upon Shigonoth. The meaning of this word is not definite, but it appears to be from a, a verb that means to reel to and fro. And in my imagination, it's, it's like uh, the, the lilt of the song, uh, you know, where you see people uh, moving their bodies uh, to, the, uh, to the song, to the beat. And so it is, a, it is a kind of musical accompaniment, reminding of God's deliverance. This expression uh, is also used in the Psalms, 107, verse 27, and Isaiah uses it also in verse 24, in verse 20 of chapter 24, where he says, Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid, O Lord. <coughs> Revive. Let's see. I think I skipped over that. Yeah, I read the wrong scripture. Where it's, it, Isaiah said, the psalm said it describes a drunken man at their wit's end, reeling to and fro. And Isaiah says, where the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, with trans, uh, with transgressions thereof, heavy upon it. So they had this burden of their transgressions that made them reel to and fro. <clears throat> so Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid, O Lord. Revive your work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. But in your wrath, remember mercy. In Habakkuk chapter 3, the Bible commentators say that these verses were written as an ode to victory. So in view of the prophet Habakkuk as a poet, he was sensitive, like many poets are. He observed his surroundings. He saw the things uh, about life and, he, and people, and he wondered about them. And he, he put his feelings into songs or into uh, uh, poems of praise and worship. So though this prophecy of Habakkuk has, you know, distressing and uh, words and descriptions we see that he includes consolation at the end Habakkuk when he wrote this book he was about to go under due to the sight of violence strife injustice and so on and he wrestled with those questions as to why and what was God doing so he cried out to God for an answer and God answered now, Habakkuk also wanted to see, you know, the wicked punish. The sooner the better. But in this he learned also that he should pray wisely. Because he was stunned by the awfulness of the vision that God showed him. Of the coming judgment. And the wrath on Judah that, God, that was going to happen. And so Amos cautioned. Uh, he cautions us in, in chapter 5 verse uh, 18 he says woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord to what end is it for you or you, you know it's like asking well are you going to be able to stand in that day or, or are you going to fall because the day of the Lord is darkness and not light it's going to be filled with confusion it's going to be filled with uh, words that aren't right or true so we're to have patience and pray for his mercy especially when that time comes so Habakkuk had the burden of bearing 
strong message to the people. But he also brought news of consolation in spite of the destruction that was pro is prophesied to come. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 18 through 19. In spite of all the wickedness that was going on and the confusion Habakkuk wrestled with, he came to understand and embrace the Almighty God's explanation. He wrestled with his question and he embraced the answer that he was given. In verse 18 he wrote, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, the Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, or deer's feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer, he said, on my string instruments. So this prophecy from God was written down as a song that was to be sung in public worship. We don't know how that goes. But this is how we should walk in this world trusting in, in God to guide us past the perils that we see and know about. So God is going to judge not only the righteous, but also the unrighteous. And though he uses Babylon to punish his people uh, for their offenses, that Judah is also guilty of. The prophet and poet in a song of praise in Habakkuk 3, in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2, he said, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Make known in your wrath to remember mercy. So he reminded us of God's deliverance in times past and we can look to those and trust in the future, whatever whatever comes. So the prophet, he you know, he stood in awe at these things. He wasn't afraid to ask God, so we can go to God with any problem that we might have, and then wait patiently from from our watchtower as a watchman that the answer will come. So as a watchman on the watchtower. Let us embrace the word of God. Let us embrace his mercy. Let us embrace his love. And let us embrace the hope that he has given to each and every one of us. That we can go to him in prayer. And that he will faithfully answer our plea.